Let us pray. Lord, may the words that come from my mouth make sense because they are inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated? Well, that's one uh, Bible reading to begin Advent. Judgment, terrors, and cosmic signs of end times. Seems a strange way to begin the Advent season, which should be, as I was talking with Heidi on the way in this morning, a time to prepare our hearts in joyful anticipation for Christ's birth. Right? It's a kind of a come-on-get-happy wind-up for Christmas. This apocalyptic end times prophecy of Jesus coming with power and great glory messes with our perfect image of baby Jesus, doesn't it? Today's gospel is actually part of a much longer section in which Jesus warns of coming persecutions and foretells the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. So instead of armies of angels singing hallelujah, we hear in this section of Luke's gospel human armies surrounding Jerusalem and bringing destruction. During Advent, we should be celebrating Emmanuel God with us. Why distract us with talk of fear and foreboding of what is coming on our world? It is important for us as Christians to be able to connect with and respond to the culture around us in both meaningful and profound ways. But we do not find our purpose, behaviour and direction from culture. We find it from God. The marketing departments of the world want to convince us that Advent started three weeks ago and is a time that we happily prepare for Christmas. And when we're not happy, then spending our way into the Christmas spirit will make us feel the way that we should be, or we think we should be. But the church throughout history has done it differently. The church approaches Advent as a time of deep reflection on who Jesus is. Jesus who was and is and is to come. We try to understand and be challenged by Christ's coming in history, in mystery and in majesty. But to be honest, who has time at this time of year for reflection, for understanding and being challenged? I think it's so much easier for us to buy into that culture that wants to convince us that this time of year is for just trying to work up to a big day on Christmas Day. The problem is if we do that, we can be left with something that is only superficial. How can we be generous when who we are, what we do and what we have is only superficial. Moving into the Advent season, we already know that these four weeks are going to go really, really quickly. Everything that we anticipate, plan for, try to take in, try to do to make Christmas great again will be gone in a month. See? 
nothing lasts forever. Life is fleeting. And our attempts to remember these times by taking photos on our phones, posting on social media, and writing and sending Christmas cards can be ways we cope with the reality that this moment in time can never be repeated. If this is the last Christmas before a child goes to university, your last Christmas with a dying loved one, last Christmas before a big move or a big change, then it hits all the harder. And we try and pack so much into these 30 days, holding on to the now, all the while knowing that it really won't last and it can't be repeated. And that's a lot of time, energy and money spent on knowing the truth that nothing lasts forever. Yet at the same time, doing our best to deny or at least postpone that reality. When Jesus said in today's Bible reading, heaven and earth will pass away, it's easy just to let those words flow over you, but when you think about it, you can be quite confronted by them. Because I don't know about you, but I could do with a little bit more permanency in my life at the moment, a little bit more control over the things that I can't control. But the realisation that heaven and earth will pass away brought to light for me an aspect of Advent that I probably hadn't really considered up until now. You see, Advent counteracts a lack of permanence with promise. Advent does not let the transience of life take over our hearts, but fills instead our souls with hope. Into the momentary, temporal, transitory nature of life, Advent brings hope. Nothing lasts forever except Jesus' words, the Word. When it feels like everything is temporary, when we are faced with so many moments to capture, hope really can matter. It can sort of feel like confidence in the midst of shifting sands. It makes life different because it changes our perspective. And to be honest, our perspectives do need to be challenged and changed. The pursuit of instant gratification has become one of the ways many of us deal best with the reality of this momentary, temporal, transitory nature of life. If we can feel good in the moment, then we'll worry about tomorrow when and if tomorrow comes. So we can make poor choices, take risks and attempt to chase after the feeling. We spend too much, eat too much and drink too much. We'll deal with the credit card debt, the weight gain and the hangover later. 
And church attendance can be like this as well. If it's not meeting our immediate need or giving us that buzz that we love, then we won't go as often. We might find another church that gives us that feeling. I'm sure you heard the news this week of um, the tragic death of the schoolie in Surface Paradise. It's a, it's a tragic example of risky behaviour in pursuit of feeling good in the moment. And it's a panacea that the world tells us we need as an alternative to dealing with the reality that nothing actually lasts forever. So as people who believe in Jesus but who are as guilty as the rest of society in the pursuit of instant gratification in our own ways, how can we be generous with hope? Last week, I spoke of next-level generosity, a generosity that's sacrificial, unnecessary, undeserved, selfless and costly, extreme generosity. This week, I've been wondering if we can apply that sort of understanding to hope, generous hope. And what I've realised is that a lot of the time, what we do when we think we're trying to bring hope is really just pedal tokenism by trying to give easy answers to life's toughest questions so that we can say, oh, we've helped them. Thank you. Next. We use words like, just believe in Jesus. Have more faith. You haven't got enough faith. Read this book. Listen to this sermon. Pray this prayer. Do what I did. Feel what I feel. Join a small group. Tithe and serve. Now, there's nothing wrong with each one of those answers and they all add up to be part of our call to discipleship in response to God's generous love. But they don't answer the big questions of life like, where is God when the world around me is falling apart? There are so many who can't bring themselves to believe in God because of all the bad stuff that's happening in the world. It's almost a sense that they can believe that life can be good, but God can be bad. When the truth is when you wrestle deeply with this stuff, we find that God is good when life is not. I believe the church suffers when we only offer easy answers to questions about suffering. So let's finish by trying to understand this next level, generous hope. And if possible, to receive it and generously share it. I probably won't answer any of your questions But I pray through understanding what real hope is, we might be equipped when we're faced with our own suffering and the suffering of those around us. When you're talking about hope, 
it might seem uh, logical that I might uh, go straight to a passage like Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I could preach about God having a purpose and a plan for each one of us. But generous hope takes us into the gospel passage that we heard today. Into passages like John 16, 33. In this world you will have trouble. And James chapter 1. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. St. Paul, in writing to the persecuted Christians in Thessalonica, wanted them to be a distinctive type of community while they were waiting for the Lord's return. And in the passage that we heard while the music was playing around it, there were two things that Paul was praying for for this community, that they might increase and abound in love for one and other and for all. And they might strengthen their hearts in holiness. It's another way of saying have generous hope. This type of hope is active. It's God and others focused. It has an implied generosity. And this next level hope doesn't mean we ignore, disregard, neglect or overlook the hard things that are going on around us. Instead, it challenges us to embrace it. Even though the world falls around, apart around us, this is not a sign that God has forgotten, overlooked or is absent from our lives. That God doesn't care. In actuality, we don't actually fully experience the goodness of God when life's good. We're really just experiencing the goodness of ourselves and life and each other. We experience the fullness of the goodness of God when the pain of life becomes real. We can enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know God intimately in the valleys, in the hard times, when we suffer and when others suffer. But it's often in those times that we turn away from God, blame God, rely on our own strength, when the truth is that in those times, God is wanting to embrace us. Not just enduring, but embracing is next level hope. Hope calls us to embrace our struggle and generosity calls us to embrace those who are struggling. We're often best equipped to accompany those who are struggling when we have lived and embraced the experience of struggle ourselves. Now, we're never exactly going to know what's going on in the lives of another person. And I can assure you from experience, one of the worst things you can say is, I know exactly how you feel. But we can be motivated to care 
by the generosity we have received from God, when God has embraced us in those moments of our struggles. And if God is with us in our struggles, we should be where God is and alongside those who are struggling at the moment. Generous hope sees an increased awareness, compassion and grace for those who are suffering. Even when we might be still struggling and suffering ourselves. And look, I, I confess I'm terrible at this myself. Like, when things are hard and busy, I only seem to have enough energy to get to the next step myself. And to be honest, that's when I'm seeking my own kingdom first. But when I seek first God's kingdom, then an awareness of those around me for whom I can come alongside and help and accompany, encourage, becomes more clear. I find words coming out of my mouth that are less self-focused and more God-focused. So rather than being paralysed by our own situations, rather than seeking first our kingdoms, we're called to seek first God's kingdom and be drawn to the needs of others. Teacher and preacher and writer Tim Keller uh, says that a living hope enables us to have both sorrow and joy. Our living hope as Christians is an inheritance achieved for us by Christ. Because of what Christ has done, we have hope. We still experience suffering, but we're called to embrace it along with the suffering of others. And that's not easy. And that's why it's generous. But how can we not behave like this when we realise the magnitude of what Christ has done for us? Advent anticipates the event that makes the phrase, nothing lasts forever, redundant forever. When God decided to become flesh, God took on the transitory nature of life and replaced it with eternal life. God took on our temporal world, going from one moment to the next, to give us a permanent home. God took on certain mortality to give us resurrection because with God, forever means forever. This is the promise of Advent. And this is our hope. And we are called to live it generously. Can I pray? Lord, you call us as we are, who we are, imperfect, struggling, holding it together to rest in you and find our strength and hope in you. 
but not to wallow in that moment, but to fix our eyes on you and allow you to direct us to the needs of others. Help us not to be self-focused with the hope that we have. Rather, help us to be generous and challenge us this week to see the world with eyes of generous hope. Amen. I'm now going to ask Bruno to continue to lead us in prayer.